Hi, hi, hi. Hi, hi, hi. How are you? I'm good. I've just clocked. We're both wearing pink. Oh, coordinated. the boys wink. Oh, silly, silly. Is that following on from last week um, relationship talks? Exactly, yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly yes. what that is. Carefully I love planned. it. I love it. So this week, um, no, sorry, wait. See, how has your week, how has your week been? <sighs> that was a deep sigh. Exhausted. Yeah, that, that's a good word, actually. Um, okay. It's been full on, and I should have known it was going to be full on from when a cat appeared in our house. Like we don't have cats, <laughs> but um, my eldest was just like, "Mummy, this was on was this on Monday. It must have been on Monday, Mummy. There's a cat upstairs." I was like, "Whatever." She's like, "No, Mummy, look, there's a cat. There's a cat." Looked, there was a cat. Cat just looking at us <laughs> upstairs in our house. Apparently, it coming through the back door. And it was trying to get out. So we were trying to usher it. We were like, come on, come on, come on. Yeah. And Kat was just like on one, went into every single room. I'm so scared that I haven't yet found a poo that it's done because I'm sure it's <laughs> left us a little present. Not gonna do that. And well, I don't know. I don't know how cats behave. Like I'm not a cat person. So um, eventually <laughs> I was trying to get it down the stairs. It didn't want to go down the stairs. It wanted to jump out the window. I was well, like, of oh, course. Goodness. Like, um, is is it too high? It was the first floor and um, <sighs> it jumped out and was gone and I never saw it again. But that was how the week started. So, like, I should okay. have That was a sign of the chaos. Was a sign. Yeah. And today is Friday the 13th. <gasps> recording on Friday the 13th. But that's, see that's what a, I mean. I've reclaimed that. That's a good day. I have a Friday the 13th tattoo with a black cat. Oh, this cat wasn't black. Mm. Well, it should have been. <laughs> And then you would yeah. have had good luck for the rest of the week. I know. That would have been a different story. But no, it wasn't a black cat. Okay. And then, yeah, okay, you're, you're reclaiming Friday the 13th. So is this, yes. has this been a good week up until today then for you? Because leading up until to this good day? To be honest, it's been a very busy week. So I'm kind of exhausted too. Mm-hmm. However, mm-hmm. Um, for those who um, follow me on social media, they probably all know already. Remember, we've been laughing about the fact and making jokes about the fact that I may have ADHD. Oh, yes. I got my golden certificate. I do indeed have ADHD. So this week, I've been reflecting and looking at things and doing some research, um, small, small, downloaded a couple of audiobooks, but I haven't started them yet because I'm actually, um, um, I've got the um, block, delete, move on from our guest last week. Yes, Yes, I've been on that and that's really good. So once that finishes, I'll be doing, I'll be starting the books. So how mm. did you feel when you got your diagnosis? Um, it wasn't, I didn't really have a big reaction. It was more like, oh, okay. Well, I kind of knew that. So mm. it wasn't like a big revelation. But mm-hmm. I think it's given me a bit more confidence to, I guess, be myself even more so. So, um, yeah, watch out, people. Um, <laughs> confidence has gotten a bit better because I'm like, well, Okay, okay, you mess up your words, so what? Because uh-huh. your mind is running ahead a thousand times faster than the average person, neurotypical person. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it's, it's, it's cool. I'm not really um, bummed out about it because it's just a different way of thinking. And not mm. everyone's the same, so we can't all have the same brains because that would be pretty boring. True. Um, so, yeah, it's been, it's been cool. But, yeah, looking back, um, 
lot of things make sense. And the bounciness that I call bounciness um, definitely makes sense. So mm-hmm. I apologise to you and podcast listeners when I um, butt in or speak over guests. It's just the ADHD jumping out. We shouldn't take it personally. No, not at all. Not at all. And if I change direction in conversation or, you know, it's just that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure we'll do an episode about ADHD um, in season two. I think that'd be quite fun. Yeah, so definitely. until then. Women Who Rebrand, the podcast. Honest and humorous conversations about the transitional phases people experience to grow, start over, or rebrand to become their most authentic selves. Hosted by Sreet Fontaine and Chioma Ololei and features special guests who are professional rebranders. The podcast covers starting over at different stages of life, championing personal growth, a.k.a. a personal rebrand. This is going to be vegan week on the podcast. Vegetarian week. Oh, vegetarian. Let's get it right. Yeah. I thought it was vegan. No, no, no. It's actually vegetarian week. Okay. And those okay. two things are very different. But oh yes. Okay. Parts of the same I don't know, strands of the same plat. Under the same umbrella. <laughs> that's that's <a> No? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's let's use that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I mean you're getting a bit complicated there, with the strands of hair, and I'm like, okay, visually thinking that. Oh, can we just say umbrella? And then it's just like, oh, yes, we're all underneath. That's just easier. Yes, yes, definitely. Okay, so definitely. it's Vegetarian Week on the podcast and mm-hmm. in real life? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. okay. So okay. this week is Vegetarian Week. Now we've sorted that and we're on the same page. Um, who's our guest this week? See. So today we have um, Tommy Macandrola, who some of you may know as the vegan Nigerian, if you're on Instagram and tend to follow her. And Mm -hmm. she is somebody who I've been a little bit obsessed with for a while because she makes Nigerian cuisine and the vegan lifestyle accessible to people who maybe wouldn't typically go down that route so she's made it mainstream she's got loads of recipes that she shares on her instagram she's got a blog as well she's got a couple of books that she's written with again some amazing recipes very very inspiring and obviously because she's nigerian Mm -hmm. i'll go to that for her so yeah so cousin Mm-hmm. if not sister but yeah mm-hmm. so uh tommy is going to be our guest today super excited next Amazing. week i'm going to be a vegan <laughs> so speaking of which obviously you're not going to be a vegan next week but you're going to be an aspiring <laughs> vegan when well, i pretend vegans um <laughs> what do you eat meat what what's your diet like do you eat meat what do you so, do I expect we, you do like organic and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So that's what we do um, to make ourselves feel a little bit better. We mm-hmm. we eat organic meat, but we don't. We only eat chicken, lamb, um, turkey is a bit of a controversial one. Um, okay. But it's mainly white meat, fish, and lamb as the red option. We don't eat pork. We try not to eat beef. Um, right. Yeah, but always, always organic. However, 
we are, we've been talking about this for a long time and, and I've probably spoken to you about this. We do want to eventually transition to plant-based because we know how much better it is to be plant-based and meat, it's not going to be around forever, I don't think. Well, it's what? not a sustainable option. Going? It's not a sustainable option because oh. of the process that the, the meat goes through and all of that kind of thing. So, oh. yeah, ultimately one day, not next week, but in the near future, we hope to be plant-based. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What, what What about your household? Where are you on this spectrum? So my household is a bit different. So back in the day, I think I must have been about 14, 15. I watched one of those documentaries about how our food ends up on our table, specifically um, how they slaughter animals. And I was very, well, you know me, I've got like a million pets and stuff. So I was very much like animal rights and stuff. And I was like, do you know what? It's actually, if you think about it, a bit mean, like, you know, ooh. Um, and the way they were killed wasn't, from what I saw, wasn't very humane. So I made the decision then to cut out red meat. So I didn't eat um, pork or beef. I basically only ate chicken and fish. And then mm-hmm. I went to uni Uh-oh. and had to pay for my own food. <laughs> Um, meat was really cheap in the supermarket, cheaper than mm. chicken. So yeah, I started eating pork and beef again, but not very much, not very much. Okay. Um, met my partner. He's a big meat eater. Pork is his favourite. Not really into pork. So yeah. in our household, we do have everything. Mm-hmm. I have said numerous times, at least switch to organic. Mm-hmm. But Again, that's quite an expensive thing to do. So this in my mind, mm, we do want to. I do want to switch to organic at the very least. Mm. And because I do the majority of the cooking, most meals are chicken. But mm. I am thinking, possibly, I'm thinking about changing up as well. Mm. But again, as you may remember, I don't eat gluten or dairy. So yeah. my diet's quite limited anyway. Mm. And because of my um, the gluten and everything else, in terms of plant-based alternatives, a lot of those things have things that I can't tolerate. So lentils and beans, which I absolutely love, oh. um, gluten. So, yeah, it's like, what am I left to eat? Salad and not even all vegetables, some. Because there's some ones I can't, intoler- I can't tolerate either. So yeah, an added complication. Right. Yeah. Right. I think we need to get me and my family vegan first, and then we'll have the time to work on you and your very specific dietary needs. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And my family can just follow what you're doing because they can all eat anything. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. No dairy is yeah. vegan anyway. Yeah. Yep. Um. Brilliant. So maybe um we should get Tommy in to um get this started <laughs> get a head start i don't know what words i'm trying to say adhd i have an excuse i'm gonna say it every time every time let's let her in hello hello welcome thank you how, how are, you? are you i'm doing well thanks how are you yeah we're we're very good we're very good we've just been talking about how 
next week I have planned to become a vegan, but maybe that's a little bit unrealistic. Um, so we're hoping that you're going to help us manage our expectations a little okay. bit better. I will, I will do my best. <laughs> Fantastic. And that's realistic expectations, Tommy. Don't don't listen to Steve. She ain't gonna be like going through a freezer anytime soon. But yes, no, we are dedicated for transitioning and change. So we're very interested and grateful that you are on our show today. Mm. Of course. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited for this. Excellent, excellent. So we've given our listeners a little bit of an intro as to who you are and how I stumbled uh, across you on Instagram as the vegan Nigerian. But can you tell us and our listeners a little bit more about you and and where you've come from and and how you've become a vegan Nigerian? Yeah, so I guess I would take it right back to growing up. Um, I was born and raised in Lagos, Nigeria, um, which if you've ever been, is this super busy metropolitan city um, in the west part of Nigeria. And um, so my family are Yoruba. And in terms of food and those things, we kind of grew up eating homemade you know, it was always traditional Nigerian food at home, um, rarely ever eaten out, maybe only for special occasions. And so I grew up sort of surrounded by that and sort of helping out in the kitchen whenever I could. By the time I was 10, I took a really keen interest in the creative side of cooking more than anything. And I would delve into cookbooks and I would watch cooking shows. And I just loved the whole aspect of taking a bunch of ingredients and creating something amazing with it that people would enjoy and so that love of cooking really kind of stayed with me throughout and so by the time we moved over to the UK in my teens um, I was still very much like experimenting in the kitchen trying different recipes but if you had told me back then that I would then go on to be vegan I think I probably would have laughed in your face and been like what (laughs) what are you talking about Um, But the moment came for me, actually, uh, when I shortly before I turned 21, so my early 20s, I was at university at this point, but I was actually living in France because um, I studied English and French. And so we had to live in France for a year. And as you can imagine, going vegan in a place like France is just absolutely yeah, yeah. They eat bloody meat. I remember yes. when I had a hamburger, I almost threw up in, in Paris oh because gosh. they just served it basically raw. What is this? Yeah. Yeah. So there I was in France, sort of um, getting used to life in the south of France, in Marseille and Perpignan. And uh, I, I would say that at the time, I started to really kind of get in tune with the way my my health and wellness was going. You know, I was away from my usual environment, away from school and essay deadlines and just had more free time on my hands to really think these things through. And I started to really notice in myself that my energy levels were just so low. Um, I was having digestion problems as well. And I think just based on intuition, I thought there's got to be some link with what I'm eating to how I'm feeling. And I just cut out animal products for a week just to see how that would feel. And I discovered that I had way more energy after that time. And then that sort of took me down this spiral of like figuring out what would it 
be like to be on this lifestyle permanently. And so I started to research. I watched the documentaries, read books, and sort of convinced myself and talked myself into going fully vegan overnight to the point where, you know, I was back home for Christmas that year. And of course, my mom had cooked this incredible feast with all the usuals, with the chicken, the fish and whatever. And I just, I no longer had the desire for it. I had just gone completely vegan at that point. And so that's pretty much where the vegan journey started. And then the vegan Nigerian really came about as a way for me to document the process that I was going through, um, to document the foods I was eating, to document how I was transforming all of the the meals that I loved, grew up eating, um, and sort of seeing what that could look like in a Nigerian context. And it's just really grown from there over the years, you know, the blog and then doing events, catering, festivals, workshops. Um, and it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> wow. So how, how long was it from you making that decision to become vegan to mm. you actually being a fully blown vegan? Because you said it was overnight. Was it literally overnight? It, Well, to many people, it would seem like overnight because I would say after that one week of trying it out, I may have dipped back a little bit after then. But then within like a day, I was convinced I wanted to be fully vegan. So I know for some people, the transition can take weeks or months or maybe even years. But for me, it was like as soon as I knew this was what I wanted, I just haven't looked back (laughs) since then. That's dedication, yeah. Because yeah. nice. even it's like when you said you went home for Christmas, and it, in my mind, it's kind of like temptation because you know your your family's cooking's always the best, oh, yeah. and then obviously there's just every dish is amazing. But I guess it's like what you're doing is rebranding traditional dishes to make them vegan accessible. Yeah, oh, exactly. I love it. I love it. Totally. Well done. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> but what happened to the study? So obviously you were on a path of like languages and, mm. and all of that. And now you're a vegan chef. Like, yeah. What, but did, did that just, did you stop the language and then decide to do the vegan chefery or was there anything in between that? How chefery, is chefery even a word? Like, <laughs> what, I've just made up that word. No, if yeah, it's what, not, I love the word. <laughs> um. <laughs> No, but um, what happened was, okay, so the whole time that I was studying English and French, I think I sort of imagined that I would go into publishing. That seemed to be the path I was going down. But by the time I got back to the UK, I did finish my finals. So went back to my final year of university, but I kept the blog going during that time. So I was just adding to it and building on it. And I found that this thing that I had almost sort of started on a whim was taken on a life of its own. And so by the time I graduated, I sort of did this 180 where I was saying to everyone, I think I want to be like a professional chef, (laughs) you know? (laughs) So um, I found myself moving to London shortly after that. Uh, I did work as a chef for a few years um, at a vegan restaurant in central London in Bayswater, then at another um, vegan vegetarian place um, close to Oxford Circus as well. So I, I decided to just throw myself into that world just to kind of hone my skills, but also understand what it takes to be a vegan chef. 
Um, now, in terms of like the way my story played out, because I wanted to scratch that itch of publishing, I did end up leaving the chefing world and going into publishing for a couple of years. But even through that, I still kept the vegan Nigerian going. And I'm at the point now where I'm just focusing on that alone. Um, so it's kind of been a little bit of back and forth, but it's been really interesting and very surprising for my family, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Career-wise, did you start off being a chef? Was that your first career job? I yeah. That was my first major job after leaving school. Um, I sort of, um, I, I approached the restaurant actually, because I think I saw, I saw something on Twitter that they were looking for, um, was it a sous chef or something like that? And I just thought, why don't I just go in for this? Um, because at the time it was very difficult to get chef training um, for veganism in particular, for vegan plant-based mm. cuisine. There are a lot more certifications now, but back then I feel like a lot of people who went down that path were more like self-taught. Right. And because of my really keen interest in cooking and using my blog as a sort of a portfolio as well, I was able to just approach them and say, I would like to get involved with this. And I actually had to do like a trial cooking thing where mm -hmm. they, they told me to make uh, scones, vegan scones with no recipe. Wow. And because I, I love to bake anyway, I had an idea of what that would be like. And so I made the scones and they were like, yeah, this is great. <laughs> so oh when can goodness. you start? And that, that was how I got the job. <laughs> Look at millennial <laughs> life. Look at this. <laughs> wow. That was oh. obviously meant to be. Like, yeah. So in my household, I have a funny tradition. Um, I don't like following recipes or anything mm. like that. I literally just cook and just make it up and just it turns out. But I've never really got the baking down. I'm not a baker mm. at all. And I think if you're going to be baking, there is a certain you kind of need to know what you're doing or you're going to have to follow a recipe. It's quite scientific, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. yeah. So my house, um, I started a tradition called memory cake. And what that is, when I was younger, I basically would just make it up as I go along. So, yeah, add flour, <laughs> eggs in my case, sugar. Um, whatever you put in it you, you tickles your fancy and sometimes it turned out really nice sometimes not but I told my kids this <laughs> I told my kids this and now in our household we make memory cake so in terms of your scones um we could have attempted to do that but in no way would it would have turned out as a scone <laughs> you wouldn't it have would got have the been, jobs right no I definitely wouldn't no <laughs> fail Fail, fail, fail. But yeah, that's interesting that you can actually um, foresee, like, you know, what you're obviously doing and measurements and stuff like that. So that's yeah. actually like really amazing. Yeah. Really amazing. You, you do make a really good point, though, that after a while, there is a part of your memory that sort of catches on to estimates of what the quantity should be right um and so like even now I think I could bake a cake without following a recipe but it's wow. because I've I've done it so many times that I know how many cups go in so yeah. I'm still sort of using the measurements roughly but yeah so that's incredible <laughs> so in terms of your career you haven't necessarily rebranded however to from being a chef which you still are now um oh. and to having the book and being a published author it's like each bit of what you've done has kind of gotten to gotten you where you are now absolutely 
Yes, everything mm. has just sort of tied together in a really nice way. Um, and, you know, even though anyone looking in from the outside might say, that's such a weird thing to do, to go from wanting to be into publishing to being a chef. Um, but actually, everything has sort of tied in really nicely. I mean, my interest for my interest in writing and the written word and publishing is still there. And I get to use that even now, most recently with the publication of my cookbook. So it's like everything I've learned along the way hasn't gone to waste. It's all kind of worked really for what I'm doing right now. Fantastic. It was all meant to be. It was yeah. all meant to be. I've got a question um, because this is something that I didn't really think about before until someone raised it like a week ago. I always thought if you were vegan, you were plant-based, but apparently they're not necessarily the same thing. Mm-hmm. So what do you think? Is being vegan the same as being plant-based or are they different? No, it, it is different. And, and the differences are subtle in a sense because plant-based really does refer more to the food side of things so someone who is plant-based may not necessarily stop wearing fur or stop wearing leather or buying products that include animal products so for vegans they sort of take things up a notch we're like we don't want to use anything that include any sort of animal products whatsoever so it's beyond the food for us um Diet is a really big part of it, but also it's a lifestyle. Mm. It's, you know, it's the shampoo you're buying. Is it cruelty free? Um, The shoes, are they, you know, leather or what material are they made from? So we take all of these things into consideration because for us, um, it's about uh, reducing animal exploitation as much as possible. That is really at the the center and the heart of veganism. Um, But someone may decide to go plant-based, for instance, for health reasons. Let's say your doctor says you've got a heart condition, you need to cut down on your animal products. And so you start eating more plants, but that may be sort of the end of it for you. So that's really the main difference, I would say, between the two. But when you say animal byproducts, so is it not necessarily to do with cruelty? It's technically to do with exploitation. So would a vegan wear wool, even though you're not harming the animal? It's more about exploiting that specific animal to use for a purpose. Yeah, I would say, um, of course, vegans interpret this in very, very different ways. Mm -hmm. But in general, the idea of using a part of an animal or an animal, you know, without any, because an animal cannot give consent, right? That's the Mm -hmm. whole basis of it. And so we're using animals, any sort of use of an animal is considered exploitation with many vegans. Um, So it's a sense of like, Let's leave animals alone <laughs> to do their own thing. Let's not use them. Uh, and so, yeah. But then that's that's for me anyway, and I think yeah. for a lot of vegans, for sure. Okay. I didn't ever think about that either. No. Um, but it's um, like you just, I guess, words are just used so interchangeably nowadays. Yes. Um, no one really thinks about the real meaning behind them. So... Yeah, like decisions over what clothes to wear. Like you really have to, as a vegan, like you said, it's a lifestyle. You have to be dedicated to it. You really need to do your research whenever you're buying anything. And I guess it's not just, um, well, potentially, it's not just products, like consumables. It's also decisions about um, maybe working with particular organisations or, or it can extend into 
yeah it's limitless where, it where, it, limitless. where it goes to um, yes. if you truly want to be a proper 100% vegan but, yeah um, yeah I, I guess when I said I was going to turn vegan next week <laughs> I was probably thinking more about semi-plant-based it is a big thing you know and it can it can seem very overwhelming at first you know when you start getting into it but after a while you know you, you start to even things like navigating the supermarket let's even focus on the food side of things you would think being a vegan I would just be checking labels like 100% of the time but after a while you kind of get used to it you kind of realize what products are vegan friendly which ones are not Um, and then if you're eating mostly like a whole food plant-based diet anyway then you don't really face any of those issues because you can tell by looking at an ingredient where it comes from if it's plant or an animal or animal derived Um, and so it is a learning curve Um, like you said so many things to take into consideration but I think it's 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 good in a sense that it makes you more conscious of the world around you. It makes mm. you more conscious of systems of oppression. It makes you more conscious of ways that you are contributing to making a society either a better place or whether you're adding to, you know, the ills of the world. And so mm. it does make you stop and think more. Um, but I don't think anyone's like 100% perfect all the time. And you know, there are things that you can miss and we miss all the time. But I think if you're doing your best where you can, that's what matters. Yeah, it sounds like it's easier to do that transition. Like, obviously, you had the willpower to do it overnight, but there's so many different things to consider. And it's not mm. just the fact that you're eating meat. It's like, what are your reasons? What, how far mm. extended are you going to go in terms of clothing? And like you said, if a brand uses specific um materials does that mean you're cutting off that brand completely so you were say you said that you gave up meat and went vegan for health reasons and um, yeah. animal welfare for those of us including C and our listeners and even me actually to a certain extent what advice would you give for someone who is thinking either about being vegetarian or even vegan how should they start I would definitely advise people to start where I started, which is with the research, um, because it it does need to be um, a deeply held conviction. I think it's very easy now with social media and seeing the trends and how veganism is expanding or plant based eating especially is expanding the way it is. I think it's very easy to for people to think that it's a trend and that, oh, I can do this for a while and then. I can go back to whatever I was doing before or like it's it's nice to do it maybe part time or whatever, which, you know, for some people that works. But if it's something that you're really serious about and you're thinking to yourself, you know what, I think this is a lifestyle choice that I want to stick with long term. Definitely get to know the whys, get to know all the benefits of it. And we've already touched on some of it already, you know, the health benefits, we've already touched on the benefits of the animals, but there are so many other reasons, you know, we can look at the impact on the environment, the planet, and think of the future for our future generations. What kind of planet do we want to leave for them? Um, We can also think of the impact on workers, the people who have to kill the animals on our behalf. You know, a lot of them suffer through mental health issues and they suffer from all kinds of so there are many 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 layers um to going vegan that I think once people sort of 
get in in the trenches with it and sort of understand the impact that our food system has on the world and the people around us and the world around us, I think that can really cement the decision for a lot of people. Um, so definitely start there. And then beyond that, just have fun with it. Seriously. Um, <laughs> I, I tell people this all the time that, you know, being vegan doesn't have to be this, you know, horrible thing where you're giving up your life and life becomes bleak and gray. Like it doesn't have to be that way. <laughs> you know, there are still so many things you can enjoy within that lifestyle. And it's just about, you know, finding the fun in it and just exploring, discovering. Talking about finding the fun and exploring and discovering. So obviously you're the vegan Nigerian and your journey with food started with Nigerian cuisine. And uh, so I also am Nigerian. I know about how much Nigerians love their meat and their fish and no meal is complete if it doesn't come <laughs> with some kind of meat or fish. So what for you has been the most challenging thing around converting a meal from something that has to have fish, mm. meat, in it, chicken, whatever, to something that is vegan, sanctioned, plant-based, Yeah, That's a really great question. I would say definitely the texture. Um, In terms of flavor, not so much. And the reason I say that is because if you are familiar with spices, condiments and sauces, you're already like more than halfway there because Let's say you take a, a plain piece of chicken and you boil it in some water, with nothing else added to it. There's nothing appetizing about that. The thing that makes it appetizing is, you know, the, the salt and the, the spices and the chili and the garlic and the onions, you know, all those things contribute to the taste. So I always tell people that if you're going to be eating more um, vegan Nigerian meals, you're not going to give up on the taste. So that's fine. But in terms of textures, um, this is where you may need to get a bit creative with it. Um, so, for instance, when I'm making um, one of our traditional soups that require, you know, like an assortment of meats, um, I may use things like mushrooms um, and experiment with different types of mushrooms because some are more like meatier than others. Um, I might use things like aubergine, which has that sort of like spongy, meaty texture, depending on how you cook it. Mm. Um, you can also use uh, things like tofu. You can use things like uh, wheat gluten, which, are, which is also called seitan, which is um, mm. probably the closest uh, thing you can get to uh, the meat texture, actually, in the vegan world. And it's pretty much made with wheat gluten, which you can season up however you want, chop it up add it into the meal. And I mean, there have been some people who say they can't tell the difference. So, you know. <laughs> I'm writing that down. And I'm also noting that Sarita's probably got something to say about wheat gluten. <laughs> because oh. we were talking about this, right, Sarita, beforehand, how it's, it, it, well, relatively easy for someone like me who doesn't have any allergies or anything to right. transition. But for someone like Sarita, who is, do you want to reel off the things that you can't eat, Sarita? <laughs> 
It's like a million. So I um, have IBS and I'm following mm. um, low FODMAP diet. And there's quite a lot of things on there that I have to avoid. So the, the number one thing is gluten. Um, okay. Dairy, not so much of an issue. But when I go out to eat, it's like you either get a gluten-free menu or a dairy-free menu. It's like mm. rarely combined. But there are a lot of, um, I guess, meat substitutes um foods that have gluten in it but also I know that I'm intolerant to like lentils and beans and stuff like that and again they are quite heavily prevalent in like vegan dishes so I know I'm totally missing out because I love all of that stuff (laughs) like chickpeas and ah but yeah it's um I don't think I've found that one thing that one dish that I can eat so yeah it's a bit of a shame that a lot of the um substitutes contain dairy However, there are so many more intolerances in the world and people being more aware that I'm sure things will change, most definitely. definitely. But I was going to say, on TikTok last week, it's funny you say that with the um, the substitutes, <laughs> there was this um, fried chicken substitute and it had a fake bone inside. So yeah. not only did it have a fake bone, but it had like the texture of meat and it was breaded. And I was like, yeah, I know, right? I was like, she looks all right, you know. But then obviously Mm -hmm. there's like people saying, if I ever got that, I would be so annoyed. I'm like, (laughs) I wonder if you would even notice the difference because there are such good um, quality meat substitute um, foods. And I've tasted them like there's, I've been to, um, is it the... Um, oh the allergy free show yes free from show that's it I went there a few years ago and I think we um tasted I think it's called oomph um meat substitutes and it was (laughs) like what are you talking about (laughs) oh see it was actually really nice and it's like going back to the texture I thought it was it had the same texture as beef and it was Mm -hmm. flavoursome and it was really nice but yeah I think it was plant-based but it had things that I can't yeah, I'm not supposed to eat, but it Aww. was really nice. What do you think about um, meat-tasting plant substitutes? Because I know that some vegans and some vegetarians are kind of anti that because they're like, well, it's not supposed to taste like it. So it's kind of mm. like cheating or going against ethics or anything like that. But as we said, not everyone thinks the same thing. So I was just kind of interested in what you had to say about that, Tony. Oh, trust me. I've I've had this many times. Um, I remember when I posted a YouTube video once, which was showing people how to make like a vegan star chicken. And this person just insisted on, on commenting like, why are you calling it chicken? You should be, you know, going against that. Why are you trying to name it something that you're against? Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, yeah, I get that. But, you know, for some people, Going vegan, they go vegan not because they necessarily don't like the taste of meat. Mm. There could be so many other reasons. Could be the ethics, could be the environment. And so for them, they they want something that reminds them of what they used to like, you know. And maybe it takes a while for the brain to kind of um, disassociate and like completely go off the idea of wanting something that mimics an animal. But I think for a lot of vegans in the early stages, they do miss those things. They miss the sausages. They miss the chicken wings. And uh, not because, you know, they don't taste good. So let's be honest, if it's cooked well, 
sometimes it tastes really good. Having a vegan version of that, that, you know, kind of hits that spot. I don't think there's anything wrong with it, in my opinion. See, I wouldn't mind. I would actually like, if, like, I could replace everything, it was all gluten-free, dairy-free, and tasted like everything I could eat. Why not? Unless it wasn't, unless it was, like, filled with loads of chemicals. And that's the only thing, like, processed um, foods I'm trying to stay away from as well. Because, obviously, everyone knows, you know, if it grows, then it's cool. It's obviously good for you. But it's just the whole manufacturing of making things that I'm kind of trying to stay clear of. You are so right. And, and again, it comes down to choice, right? Because um, the other misconception about veganism sometimes is that people think, oh, when you go vegan, you're going to be like super healthy and whatever. Yes. But that's not necessarily true. <laughs> I mean, I love, for instance, I love chips, right? And I could live yes. off chips for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. But, and it's advice. vegan. Yeah. And it's vegan, but mm-hmm. I, that wouldn't necessarily make me healthy. So it doesn't always follow. Um, and so there are people who do care about the health as well. And they sort of go down more the whole foods, less processed. And yeah, I think that's a pretty great way to go. I'm just thinking about processed and maybe this isn't about processed, but about artificial additives. Let me just ask the question. So e number three. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know that um, because it's a trivia question that often comes up in quizzes, Skittles have um, an E number in them and it's like crushed beetles to make them yes. red colour or something. Yes. Yes. So is that another added complication? Because you could have, I guess, vegan junk food and it might have, well, it shouldn't have crushed beetles in it if it's vegan. But mm-hmm. again, do you need to know what all the E numbers are because they might have some kind of animal insect in them? And they, it's not clear from the, the number, right? From so, the number, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. I, I, yeah. See, this is where it becomes a minefield. And, and thankfully, <laughs> there are people out there, there are bloggers, there are creators who sort of dedicate themselves to highlighting all these things. Um, and so if you can get a good resource for that, definitely helps in this process. Um, because you're right. I mean, having to research all those e-numbers probably take you forever um but it's it again it's one of those things where you do the best with the information that you have and so maybe you might slip up and you know have the skittles one day but then you learn the next day that it actually contains beetles in there and you decide actually yeah i'm not gonna buy that anymore so it's (laughs) It's uh, funny you say that though yeah definitely because it's like again with the processed foods and i when i started my um change in diet it's like reading the actual ingredients and even milk there was so, there's so many things that you wouldn't even necessarily think of contain milk and I'm yeah. like why does it need it doesn't need milk like crisps <laughs> I'm like potatoes fried why does it need milk <laughs> obviously cheese and onion that's different but yeah and then um like you said see with the crushed beetles to get the the beautiful colors and get gelatine and sweets it's like okay I'm gonna get a pack of Haribo's no I can't because it's got ground up um bones in it it's like how did they even come to think of that recipe in the first place like ground up bones let's make sweets yummy (laughs) or beetle shells I don't get it I don't get it but it's yeah, there baffling. are so many things that you have to be careful of. So yeah, it is a case of 
everybody needs to know what they're putting in their mouths, look at the ingredients, but then, yeah, you have to do that extra research with the e-numbers and all of that block. Mm -hmm. And especially when they come from different countries, because I know, like, to say, um, America, for instance, they have a lot of food products that are actually banned here. Join the Women Who Rebrand community on Instagram. We'll share episode reminders, behind-the-scenes footage, conversations about episode topics from other creatives, and more. Join the conversation at Women Rebranded. I've seen on your Instagram you you create lots of desserts, and some of them uh, are typical African Nigerian desserts, and some of them are not. Mm. And as a Nigerian, I mean, in my in my opinion, desserts are not our forte. Mm-hmm. Like we have snacks, and we have main course like start our main course and then desserts and I'll tell you a quick story right so we went to a restaurant and it wasn't a Nigerian restaurant it was a um a Cameroonian restaurant and it was so funny because we finished the meal and then they, they brought out the dessert menu and I was like dessert menu like what is this like it's going to be ice cream or whatever and on the dessert menu they had puff puff which like standard okay cool um they also wait had... wait wait come on come on let's be oh, sorry, um, not everyone's Nigerian. inclusive okay, cool. here <laughs> so yeah so nigerian in training is, is a cousin nigerian like 30 odd percent nigerian yeah um sarita yeah. um so uh puff puff is like a dumpling right? a fried dumpling a sweet fried dumpling mm. yeah and um and it's something that oh, i don't even think that's often served as a dessert you'd have it like just before your food or just to have like yeah, just a snack, a snack like eating crisps or whatever yeah, yeah. okay and um so they, they'd made that into a dessert with a choice of ice creams most of which were not available but <laughs> let's not talk about that and then they also had um I believe chocolate brownie on there they had um waffles Belgian waffles and pancakes okay. and I was like oh okay so I said to the lady who came to take the order, so the waffles, can I just ask, are they, do you have a waffle maker? Do you make your own batter and make the waffles or is it just shop bought and you put it in the toaster? Mm-hmm. At which she scoffed and she was like, we don't have waffles. It's just on the menu. We don't do waffles. If you what, want a dessert, what? you can have the puff puff and the plant uh, and the <laughs> ice cream. And there's no pistachio ice cream. There's just vanilla. So do you want, Puff up and vanilla ice cream. Wow. I was like, okay, I should have known. I should have known. Look at the restaurant that I'm in. I should have known. But it's like desserts are not taken seriously. People don't no. go to a West African restaurant for the desserts. They go because they want to eat some jollof and they want to eat some, like you said, Tommy, assorted meat or whatever. Like that's that's yeah. what they're gonna go for. So what how has it been for you and and desserts and creating desserts is is that something that you found enough of um you found enough inspiration for within Nigerian cuisine or have you had to always go outside and fuse different cuisines together uh, it, it's it's been a lot of fusion if I'm being completely honest and and it pains me that dessert is not really our thing because I love desserts I know and I'm sure you can you can see that reflected in my page because I'm constantly just baking cakes and, and making all kinds of sweet stuff. Um, but I am fascinated by the idea of 
um, sort of merging a lot of uh, traditional ingredients into dessert recipes. Um, I love experimenting in that way. So for instance, once one of my early recipes on the blog is of like a, a pawpaw crumble, for instance, because I grew up eating pawpaw mm. papaya. We had a tree in our, in our back garden growing up in Nigeria. And same so I girl, same, same. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I pretty much used that in, you know, and replaced, you know, the traditional apple crumble, but used that instead. Um, so there's, there's a lot of room for innovation. And you're right that we are huge on snacks, you know, snacks for days. You know, <laughs> when I was writing the cookbook, I was just really surprised as well when I started to do research into the different regions of Nigeria and to kind of pick up on all the different snacks that we have. But in terms of dessert, I mean, even growing up, it wasn't really a thing. Maybe we'd have ice cream occasionally, or actually you would you would typically end a meal with fresh fruit. That was it for us, mm. right? Maybe some oranges and mangoes. Um, but to spend time in the kitchen actually crafting a dessert, <laughs> no. <laughs> but um, that's something I love to do, though. So I'm fascinated by that. And would even love to take it further because you know the thing with food and culture is that it, it's ever evolving we can add to it just because things have been done a certain way forever doesn't mean it always has to be that way and so who knows maybe we can develop a dessert culture in Nigeria and get mm -hmm. people interested in you know making more you know sweet after after meal um treats you know mm. Yeah. I love the fact that your recipes aren't watered down where we are, Britain. You get the restaurants that say they're Caribbean restaurants or African restaurants, mm. but they, they're chains. And it's like when you actually go there, you're like, I don't know where this is from. Because <laughs> I asked the waiter, should I have the roti? And he's trying to tell me, I don't know what roti is, for one. <laughs> I'm not going to name names. And it's like watered down versions of things. Oh. And then they add things that aren't relevant like they'll put weird things in curries and stuff like mm. that's british raisins. and it's just i'm gonna say raisins <laughs> i wanted to be um not on that kind of rudeness but raisins do not need to be in curries um please and thank you um so yeah i like the fact that when you're combining things it works it makes sense and it's mm. not taking away from where it's origins almost. Yeah. I think that's quite important. It's definitely important when you are um, mixing these things because, yeah, who needs raisins? Who needs it? Curry. <laughs> who needs it? Yeah. And what is a coronation chicken, please? Because <laughs> I, I, I just made that up. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you for chefs like you who are actually um, using common sense and not making <laughs> random decisions and... Um, <laughs> insulting us all to be fair <laughs> another thing that's kind of controversial um african diaspora um caribbean diaspora plantain or plantain plantain oh come on come now on. that's not fair because i'm outnumbered well <laughs> well in oh my god it is Okay. Okay. It is. All right. <laughs> and for the sake of the podcast and our guests, because you know we're welcoming our guests, and I have to treat our guests with kindness. Uh, <laughs> plantain. What is the optimal color for plantain? Green, yellow, or black? In your culinary, I cannot say that. Cannot, cannot culinary experience. I would say yellow. 
Ooh. For sure. Oh, oh looks like she disagrees. <laughs> well, what kind of yellow? Are we talking yellow with a tinge of green, or are we talking yellow with some black spots? <laughs> but then, does this depend on the dish as well? It, this it must does. depend on the dish. It does depend on the dish. But mm. because I love the classic fried plantain, you know, give mm. me fried plantain any day. Mm-hmm. And green just doesn't work. No. It's like eating cardboard. Thank you. Black, it's like, it's it, it's mushy. It's like baby food. But it's very and, sweet. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's my yellow. Yellow with a few dark spots. Okay. 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 Sweet spots. Yeah. Yeah. So we're what good. dishes, so if you were making a dish and you wanted to use plantain, what dish would you um, have with plantain for you? What's your ultimate plantain, maybe on a side or even... As a main, I don't know. Mm. Well, I always have it as a side with things like jollof rice, um, fried rice. I always have it. I like it boiled as well, just like mm. plainly boiled, boiled plantain. <sighs> Chummer is dying. Like, come on, it's so good. Okay, have you ever had boiled plantain with a goosey? I haven't. What's I haven't. a goosey? What's a goosey? It's like a melon seed spinach stew. Ooh. It's so good. But yeah. I don't have, I've never had a goosey plantain, although I have had boiled plantain in yam, like a, like a in yam, in porridge, like a, a plantain oh. porridge. Yes. Oh. Similar to a yam porridge. Mm-hmm. Um, so I get that. But um, I don't know. I just, I love to fry food. Oil and me, <laughs> we're like buddies. Um, yeah, I would, I would always go for fried over boiled anything mm. I'm sorry. i like boiled plantain so i've had that in i would put that in soup with yam and cassava and yeah. potatoes and the goat um that's probably i and but out of every and dumplings out of everything it probably wouldn't be my favorite because it is a bit dry so i guess for mm. me um yeah, fried planting all the way, man. Yeah. With a bit of salt fish and bake. Back in the day when I could eat all that stuff. But that would be my jam. What's bake? Yeah. What I don't bake what bake is. Um, bake is like a, I guess Americans would call them a fried biscuit. So it's like, oh, um, yeah, it's yeah. like a bread, a bread, a piece of bread that's fried and it kind of puffs up. And it's quite like little and round. So I would have that with salt fish and my plantain. Okay. It's yummy. Okay. I think it's, it's a Trinidadian thing. I know, right? Mm. Have you um, ever, in, speaking on plantains, have you ever used them to make pancakes? No. I haven't used plantain. I've used banana. And that okay. was, mm, it was okay. Like but I haven't used, oh. well, it's not something I would do again. This is when I was, I thought I could become an overnight vegan. I was like, yes, I'm going to make a banana pancake. And I was like, nah, I'm not ready. But yeah, pancakes, okay, okay. I think that it works. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So would that be imagine... the black ones? Oh, yeah, the black ones. Oh. Because then you, you don't get the, the intense banana flavor, which sometimes can be very overpowering. But it's, you know, you still get that plantain sweetness. It just mm. works. So, so would you be using that? as an egg substitute pretty much pretty much because it helps to bind um for sure bind the batter make sure it doesn't fall apart when you're frying so yeah 
Ah, yeah. See, I've never, I've know, I've seen as I've seen more recipes coming out, and um, obviously more um, kind of traditional dishes and cultures splicing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Using plantain in desserts, and it makes sense because yeah, it's a banana, it's a type of banana, and it can mm. be sweet. But I've never really thought about putting plantain in a dessert. Yeah, it's it's really it really works. Mm-hmm. I mean, in my cookbook, the plantain cookbook, I have a whole section on desserts, and one of the recipes in there is like a chocolate fudge cake. <gasps> With I don't know whether you're gonna like mm-hmm. that or whether you're gonna be like she's crazy, <laughs> but <laughs> got raisins in it. No, <laughs> and babes, I make memory cake, so come on, um, nothing's <laughs> nothing's off the menu. Yeah. Here. So oh. I have a recipe for a chocolate fudge cake uh-huh. and I was inspired to do that because um, there is also a recipe for like sweet potato brownies, sweet potato fudge cake, right? And it's mm-hmm. like the the sweetness and the stodginess of the sweet potatoes really lends to that fudgy texture. And so I thought, well, you sort of create something similar with like roasted, either roasted or like really ripe plantain as well in there. And it just makes it nice and squishy and sweet mm. and really not very rich and indulgent sounds need amazing. to try some of these plantain recipes seriously oh yeah mm. though i shouldn't really eat it apparently no fodmap i'm supposed oh, yeah. to avoid bananas but i mean i have to cut out so much that sometimes i'm like come on you have to live your life whatever yeah. Yeah. yeah i'm gonna try that and just suffer mm. the consequences later it's fine it's fine <laughs> it's fine it's not like it's dairy or gluten they're the main enemies but um mm. yeah plantain Plantain. Plantain. Um, <laughs> I can have in small doses. The Vegan Nigerian Platform by Tomi Makinjula is dedicated to making Nigerian cuisine and the vegan lifestyle accessible to the mainstream through online resources, workshops, and bespoke events. Tomi runs fun and inspiring pop-up events and restaurants, hosts guests from around the world through her Airbnb Vegan Nigerian Dining Experience. She's a private chef and also conducts live cookery workshops and demonstrations and offers Nigerian food at markets and festivals around London and Southeast England. Tomi offers personal vegan coaching to aspiring vegans and has a cookbook, Vegan Nigerian Kitchen. What in the world? See? (laughs) So, (laughs) this week... Um, I was having a look at the vegan news and there is a whole like massive world of vegan news. Like it's, it was crazy. Like these vegans, you guys, wow. Be taking over. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) Um, But there was a report that was produced by the Vegan Society, the Vegan Food for Children report, which found that a massive number of parents and guardians would like to have more vegan food options served in school canteens for school dinners. And um, the BBC Good Food survey found that 8% of children are actually following a vegan diet at home and 15% would like to. So the Vegan Society is asking all vegans and anyone who's interested to sign a petition to get the government to debate this in Parliament to make vegan options compulsory as school dinners every day. So that's fantastic. Because we know all the benefits of vegan veganism, 
But there are some detractors who really don't want children to be on a vegan diet because there are things like um, increased risk of nutritional deficiencies and an impact on bone mineral density. So, okay. Tommy, what do you think? Should it be compulsory for a vegan option to be provided in schools or is this a decision that should be made once somebody is old enough to factor in all the considerations and fully mm. developed as well physically? Yeah. You see, when it comes to when it comes to children in particular, I feel like the parents should really have the biggest say in all of this. Um, And it's a tough one because me being a vegan and knowing all the benefits and being so aligned with it, I would sort of jump at the (laughs) the opportunity for everything to be vegan, Mm -hmm. whether on airplanes or in schools or wherever it is. Um, But one one idea that I heard once before that I think might work and sort of strike that balance is to make vegan plant-based foods the default and make other options, you know, animal-based products an option. Because then, you know, it flips things around and it starts to normalize plant-based eating without being so um, authoritarian about it Mm. and sort of dictating what people should and shouldn't eat, right? Because it starts to set the example that if you can choose a plant-based option where you can, why not go for that, right? Because so much of the time, you know, me being a vegan and eating plant-based, like anywhere I go, it's like meat, 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 meat on the menu. And then one little thing for the vegans or the vegetarians at the end. (laughs) So what would it look like if we flipped that around and had mostly plant-based and add that as an option and see if there are still takers for it? Because I would be... I wouldn't be surprised if we start to see people moving more towards choosing the plant-based options, especially if it has been well-researched and, like you said, nutritionally balanced. That is very important as well because children are growing. And I follow a few people online who are raising vegan children and doing it very successfully. But I can imagine all the research that has gone into that and all the work that goes into making sure that the meals are balanced, that they have all the nutrients they need in the right quantities as well to sustain their growth during childhood so if that can be factored in if that can be if parents can be reassured that this has been done I don't think many people will have too much of a problem with that hopefully yeah I love that idea it makes more sense because I was even thinking that it's like well why is meat the default right it's like, well, and it has been for so long. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not cheap. That's the other thing. It's not cheap. Mm-hmm. So I'm just to get thinking. good quality meat is not cheap. Uh, it, yes, that's right. Yeah, 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 cheap yeah, meat yeah, options. Yeah. But, okay. yeah. but yeah, it yeah. would be easier if that was just the default. Um, and then a piece of meat on the side, and there you go. If you want that, you want that. If you don't, you don't. You have something else. It may, do you know what? A lot of this stuff is just absolute common sense, but there's so many people that are, either don't have it or just think some agenda, which means something else, yeah. is being pushed. And it's like, can we not just eat like food to make us work and function? That's essentially <laughs> what it is at the end yeah, of the day. Yeah. But and like I said before, sorry, Sarita, no, like okay. we are parasites, like we, we do just love destroying the planet and it's like any opportunity we get, we will take to just take a swipe at the 
at the earth. So mm. what we, like any other creature, would be treating their environment in such a way as to sustain it for as long as possible so that they would be able to live off of that environment for as long as possible. But we, mm. we eat meat. We know that the manufacturing <clears throat> and the farming of meat isn't great and for, for the planet, and yet we still do it and we're encouraged to do mm. it and barriers are put in our way to stop us from not doing it it's just insane like it humans are on a i don't know I, I just yes. frustrated when i think about it totally i know <laughs> i know but but when you dig down deep into anything enough you'll find that you know it all boils down to money and who's profiting off of it yeah. Um, and so that's yeah. another way to look at it as well, is that in any situation, who is really profiting off of you eating a certain way or mm. having a certain lifestyle? And then it's, it starts to provoke some thoughts, I think. Most definitely. It's all yeah. about the research, as you said, in terms of starting to become a vegan or anything, really. But even what you're saying about um, um, parents raising children that are vegan, if anything, I think all parents with common sense i'm gonna say all but we know some don't um would do that research because you want the best of your children so even if they were meat eaters you do the research yeah. but again most um nutritional sort of lessons are about meat you get iron from this or this vitamin from this and i guess a lot of people are like well that's where i'm getting all my vitamins but there's so many natural sources of mm. vitamins and iron and stuff like that. It's about relearning, I think. It is. It is. It's about mm. unlearning and relearning, for sure. Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah. All of those nutritional things and health just need to be scrapped anyway, like BMI and all that <laughs> rubbish. <sighs> yeah. Don't get me started. Okay, words of advice. Words of advice is our last segment of the show, and that's where we invite our guests to um, just give us some words of advice. So we know that you have been blogging for nearly 10 years. Is it 10 yeah. years or nearly 10 years? Nearly 10 years. Wow. I bet yeah. that's gone so quickly. It has. Yeah. And congrats, by the way. Congrats. Nearly Thank 10 years. Thank you. So give us um, the date so we can celebrate the um, anniversary properly. Yes. Um, yes. What advice would you give to someone who loves cooking like you mm. did and like you do, who um, are maybe thinking of starting up their blog? Because um, at the moment, we know that one in, no, sorry, 10 out of 10 people are bloggers nowadays. I totally made mm. that up. Um, <laughs> and possibly might think, you know, there's so many cooking blogs. Why should I start one? Whatever, whatever, whatever. What advice would you give to someone who... Um, might be thinking of starting up a blog what things should they consider oh I would say just start and in the early stages as well don't um do not focus on perfection absolutely do not focus on perfection because that can be the biggest sort of roadblock to pushing forward with whatever it is you choose to do in life you know blogging included um I have to say that I'm glad that I was a little bit naive going into the blogging world. I, I hadn't followed that many prior to starting mine. So I didn't have really anything to compare it to <laughs> in that sense. And you should have seen my original blog. I mean, it was pretty ghastly. It was this like horribly green color throughout with like red text and weird font. And it, it wasn't great, but it, it did the job. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
And uh, you'll find that once you start anything, um, blogging especially, you, you start to refine as you go along. Your voice starts to grow. You, you start to figure out the areas um, where your strengths are and where you need to focus on more. And so I would say just get into it because, you know, if that passion for food and cooking is really there, let that shine through no matter what stage of it you're at. Try not to look too much at like the analytics and the insights. Um, I would say like I kind of fell into that trap for a while where like I would check my blog stats every single day to see like the increase in readers. And I think like the first month of blogging, I had like 20 readers and I was like, whoa, that's so great. (laughs) Um, But then I became obsessed with that number growing and growing and growing. Um, And now I like I, I barely check it maybe once in a while just to see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but don't get too obsessed with that. I think focus on the work itself, focus on the message that you have, focus on on what you want people to get out of what you're sharing. What is the value of it um, for other people? Um, how much fun and joy are you having creating what you're creating? Because that will always shine through more than anything else. So just get stuck into it and refine as you go along. And um, yeah, and be consistent, I would say. That has been the biggest thing for me is that I've just kept at it. And, you know, anyone who has ever like really achieved anything in life will tell you that the only reason they achieved it is because they didn't stop. You know, I've seen so many people along the blogging journey who in many ways were like even more advanced than I was, but they stopped blogging for whatever reason and just kind of fell off and maybe pivoted to something else, which is completely fine. But it's like you never know where you're going to get to if you stop, right? So just keep keep going, keep building your passion, keep learning as well, um, gain inspiration wherever you can from the people around you and inject that into what you're doing. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, I feel so inspired and motivated. It's like you were talking to me, gosh. Yeah. Well, that's the real reason for the podcast. We just want to have um, free interviews with people and learn stuff for us. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So where can our amazing audience find you if they want to follow you on the um, gram or social media or um, visit your website or even buy your book? Yeah, so um, I'm most active on Instagram these days. And so you can find me at Vegan Nigerian, uh, pretty much on all platforms, Twitter and Facebook as well, and YouTube, Vegan Nigerian. I haven't been super active at YouTube, but I want to get back into it. Um, so more to come on that. Um, and then, of course, you can just go to my website, veganigerian.com for everything, um, pretty much. Yeah. Perfect. Fantastic. Fantastic. And your book? Yes. So in all my good bookstores? Book on Amazon and a couple of bookstores in the US. Um, but I'm hoping to like get it into more places. But for now, you can order it online. Um, you can also get like a digital copy. Um, you can find all the details for that on my website as well. Fantastic. And I'll be sure to put that in the show notes too and on our blog. Thank you. Can I just ask one more question? And Absolutely. I hope it's going to have the answer that I i'm praying for (laughs) how many of your family members or friends have you converted to veganism through your good work you know what i don't have anyone who's gone fully vegan Ah, but not fully but but they've incorporated oh yeah they've so right now my parents they don't consume any dairy 
Okay. So it, it's all like oat milks and almond milks in our fridge in my parents' house right now. So that's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom um, considers herself like a meat reducer, so she'll only eat meat a few times a week. Okay. So okay. I feel like that's, you yes. know, for, for African parents, that's Listen, a lot. Listen, you yeah. can take that and run with it. Yes, well done. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, it's it's a work in progress, but it, it's tough. You know, food and culture are so intertwined. And um, we've definitely had our debates, but ultimately it has to be a personal choice, right? And what Absolutely. convicted me may not convict the next person. So mm. we're all on our food journeys. Yeah, It's true. Do what you can at the end of the day. It's not about yeah. having to be strict with it. And some people, um, I know we used to do that when I used to cook every single day. I've palmed it off now. The husband works from home more often. Um, but I would have um, vegetarian days, so meat-free mm. days, at least twice a week. And that's at least doing something in terms yeah. of yeah. Um, helping the planet and stuff like that. But, yeah, yeah. incorporating um, vegan dishes, why not? Exactly. exactly. I love that. But we didn't really talk about the fact that you're a black vegan and like how it's it's kind of like the trendy thing now, like very hot oh, to be yeah. a vegan. Like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> like, but yeah, we go. We don't need to focus on that. But yeah, thank, thank you, you so much. It's been amazing. Oh, I've learned you. a lot today, and yeah. I'm. My stomach's rumbling. I don't know if you can. Yes, uh, we need to make some plantain okay. pancakes. It's, it's, it's what we have. Some plantain, I think. Yeah, plantain yeah. pancakes. Plantain. Plantain. Okay. Thank you so much. To, um, uh, thank coming. you so thank much. Thank you. Thank and you. Take it's care. been a pleasure. Yeah. You're take welcome. care. You. Have a wonderful day. You too. Bye. Bye. Women Who Rebrand is available on your favourite podcast platforms, including Acast, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify and Overcast. You can find guest information, recommendations and links on our blog, womenwhorebrand.com.